A voice from the past comes from an unlikely source, and Team Mark grows by one soldier determined to help us get coercive control criminalized in the United States. She is a warrior and a force to be reckoned with, so watch out, Nancy. Chances are you won't get away with this again. podcast contains adult themes, language, and violence. It is not suited to all audiences and may be triggering to some. In many cases, the names and details within these episodes have been changed to protect privacy. Opinions expressed by guests of the show do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast or its producers. Welcome to Isolated, a podcast about male victims of domestic abuse and control, as well as those suffering as a result of parent alienation syndrome. We are not therapists or experts in this field, but seek to bring these issues to light and provide awareness of early warning signs of abusive behavior and resources for help. Hello again, ISOs. I'm Navi Carpenter. And I'm Chela. Are you still with us? <laughs> so much has been happening. We wanted to post an update. So apparently there is a spam tab on Facebook Messenger. I mean, who knew? I actually saw it. Then it went away just as quickly. I have no idea where it came from, but I saw that there were messages there. So I had to Google how to access this stupid tab and I figured it out. And you can't access it through Facebook on your computer, only through the Messenger app on your phone. And there's a bunch of messages were posted from when Mark went missing and also after the notice that he had passed away. So I reached out to those people, apologizing for not seeing their messages, thanking them for their offer of help or condolences. I also asked each of them if they knew Mark's wife, Nancy. If they said no, then I said, I can point you to what happened to Mark. And I gave them the website of the podcast. Well, lo and behold, a woman who's also named Nancy. Sorry, Nancy. I know. (laughs) Had children who went to the same school as Mark said that if I was up for a conversation, she would love to share some things about him and how much he helped someone close to her. I'm going to call her Angel because that's essentially what she is. She has a very personal story that involved Mark, but that's her story to tell. And it has made her determined to help our cause. Angel said that Mark made a huge difference in the lives of so many people, and they were blessed to know him. She tweeted that missing flyer that I posted, and it went viral. And I didn't even know, which is crazy. (laughs) I know. That was back in 2020 when he went missing. Right. And it was retweeted thousands of times. Angel also said, corroborating what we heard before, that Nancy was never at the kids' activities or games, back-to-school nights or open house. She only saw her once, and she came off as, quote, fake. Obviously, yeah. Big shock. Angel left her number, and I called her. What an amazing woman. She's on fire to help us get law passed, criminalizing coercive control, so that people like Nancy can wind up where they belong, in jail. As a woman with a ton of time on her hands, she has the resources to do what I can't, and I'm so grateful to her. She gave me names of assemblymen friends of hers who she said were willing to look at the situation and possibly draft a bill. She also gave me the name of a police officer friend of hers who knew Mark personally and was willing to help. 
She has a private investigator interested and a brother who's an attorney. Nice. This woman's connected. I know, right? Who thought? I mean, I seriously prayed when we ended that last podcast. And I'm like, you know what, Lord, if you want something to happen here, you have to show me the way or, you know, drop a bomb because I just don't know where else to go. You know, here's Angel. Here's Angel. When Angel tweets, people listen. I don't know where this will lead, but it's really exciting. So, Chella, do you want to read the letter I wrote to the assemblyman? It's not exactly short, but I tried. And, you know, ISOs, you can either fast forward through this part or you can listen because I still think it's interesting and has good information. Definitely. It says, Dear Representative, as a citizen and taxpayer, I'm writing to request that you please consider legislation that would make coercive control of domestic partners a crime punishable by jail time. One day in 2020, my brother Mark Blaine's wife called his boss 149 times, demanding to speak to him. It was the proverbial last straw. Mark had finally had enough and walked out on his job as vice president, never to be seen alive again. He was loved and admired by everyone except his wife, Nancy, who tortured him through coercive control for years. Mark was found a week later, having taken his own life. His suicide note painfully pointed towards the relentless abuse from his wife. The note, along with an inside perspective of what it's like to be controlled in this way, are available on season two of a podcast I created, www.isolatedpodcast.com, and transcripts are also available. All names and identifying information have been changed, including my name, due to the vengeful and retaliatory personality of Mark's wife. Email exchanges between the couple, interviews with friends and neighbors, along with police records show that BMC Public Health stated in an article as, quote, making a person subordinate or dependent by isolating them from sources of support, exploiting their resources and capacities for personal gain, depriving them of means needed for independence, resistance and escape, and regulating their everyday lives, unquote. But it's so much worse than that when you get a chance to read the actual word-for-word exchanges between a controller and the victim. Coercive control is a slow burn that turns into such a raging fire that it cannot be put out by the victim. It is an unrelenting avalanche of denigration, control, isolation, loss of livelihood, blackmail, and parent alienation. As my brother put it in his suicide note, a, quote, scorched earth campaign to blame and reduce me to nothing, end quote. Tanya Tetlow, a previous law professor at Tulane University, made a compelling argument for states to pass laws, quote, banning torture by private actors, end quote, primarily as a better way to address domestic violence. Quote, the biggest risk of lethality with domestic violence is not measured by the level of violence. It's about the level of control, end quote, she said. Quote, that is a bigger indicator of the chance that someone will murder their victim, end quote. Tetlow concludes, quote, describing domestic violence as torture focuses the criminal justice system and the public on the defendant's clear premeditation and culpability. We see batterers as merely angry, whereas we acknowledge torturers as cruel, end quote. I would encourage you to read her entire eye-opening article. After writing my brother's story, Cruel and Remorseless Was His Wife, in fact, psychologists and psychiatrists alike speak to the fact that a coercive, manipulative abuser, who is also a parent, will likely turn their finely honed skills onto the child, most like the spouse. Once the spouse is gone, criminalizing this abuse will also protect children. 
We can no longer hide behind the errant notion that victims of domestic abuse can just leave their abusers. Abused partners are targeted and groomed, similar to cult victims. They are built up initially to the point of complete love, trust, and reliance on their partner, only to then be belittled and maligned, beat down into nothing, trying desperately to please the unpleasable in an effort to gain even a morsel of love or kindness again. Their children are used as pawns. They are isolated from their family and friends, and their partners have taken over financial control. It can happen so slowly they don't even realize it until it's too late. These men and women are not weak or simple. They are successful, smart, kind, and loving. Some of them are even police officers or military officers. Police were called out to the Blaine House for domestic disturbance, as well as for Nancy's altercations with neighbors at least 22 times prior to the suicide. Nancy was unhindered in her abuse. His corporate office consulted an attorney regarding a ceased contact order for Nancy because she continually harassed staff after trashing Mark's office and being arrested. Nancy was unhindered in her abuse. Nancy's son called 911 because she was throwing things and screaming at Mark, who was then sliced and bloody and in need of stitches. Nancy was arrested and yet unhindered in her abuse. Nancy relentlessly called, texted, and emailed Mark often several times a minute. If he didn't answer, she threatened to call his boss and accuse him of child abuse or alcoholism, as well as the police. Nancy stole his keys, blocked his car so he couldn't get to work, cut up all his clothes, blackmailed him into doing whatever suited her, refusing to use any of her paycheck to pay bills until he complied, impersonated him, enslaved him, made him sleep in his car, deprived him of showers, and then called him disgusting. She alienated their kids from him and from us. She alienated Mark from us. How is this not criminal? CTCADV.org states that one in two women and one in two men have experienced psychological aggression by an intimate partner, and one in three women and one in two men have experienced coercive control by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Yet there are no laws to cover it, other than a reason to file a restraining order. Many of the abused say that non-physical abuse is far worse for them and their children to live with than the physical abuse due to stigma and difficulty in detection, safe access to reporting and aftercare resources being limited. It is imperative that abuse be seen as a pattern crime, such as stalking. Any one act taken in isolation may not seem that harmful, but it is a patterned and relentless with malicious intent, having a horrific cumulative effect on the victim. The U.S. National Library of Medicine posted an abstract stating, quote, numerous studies have demonstrated that coercive control is more strongly associated with suicidal ideation than other forms of intimate partner violence, end quote. Adding coercive control to the definition of domestic violence is a start, but nowhere near powerful enough. My brother had a restraining order against his wife. She still called. She still sent texts, and she still physically violated the order then threatened his livelihood and reputation should he call the police. She would bring their children along, saying that should he call the cops, he would be doing so against his own children, and they would want nothing to do with him. Coercive control is systematic and relentless. The same tactics used by cult leaders are used by these abusers. The same deprogramming techniques used for cult followers are used for targets of coercive control. If they can get away from the abuse long enough... If the target is not absolutely cut off from the abuser, deprogramming will not work. That's why a law criminalizing coercive control and punishable by meaningful jail time is so important. Giving a victim time to get counseling, 
rebuild financially, and reconnect with family, friends, and other support. Adding coercive control to the definition of domestic violence does little to help the targets of the torturous existence they are forced to endure because the abuse does and will continue. In 2015, England and Wales became the first nations to criminalize controlling behavior between intimate partners, making it punishable by up to five years in jail. In 2019, Ireland and Scotland followed suit. Professor Barbara Gerbert at the Division of Behavioral Sciences at the University of California, San Francisco, said, quote, the results in Scotland are showing remarkable statistics. In the 10 plus years since they have had these protections in the books, overall domestic violence has decreased dramatically, end quote. Stalking is described as the unwanted pursuit of another person. Examples of this type of behavior includes following a person, appearing at a person's home or place of business, making harassing phone calls, leaving written messages or objects, vandalizing a person's property, end quote. And is a crime unless it happens between domestic partners. That is illogical. It damages the victim in exactly the same way, except that it is harder to avoid such abuse in an intimate partner environment where phones, internet, cars, and finances are wedded together. My brother experienced years of all these aspects of his abuser's torture, including three GPS trackers hidden in his car. Blackmail is considered a crime, but not within the confines of an intimate partnership. Is being in a committed relationship a free-for-all of criminal activity that is somehow no longer criminal because you love the person who's hurting you? I urge you to take all of this into consideration. A law criminalizing coercive control against an intimate partner should also state very clearly the evidence needed to convict in a court of law. Phone records, social media accounts, emails, testimony from friends, family members, neighbors, colleagues, bosses, teachers— Of great concern in accumulating such evidence is the illegality in California of recording someone without their consent. It should be admissible evidence in any domestic abuse case. Also of note, a Time article stated in regards to the Scotland law criminalizing coercive control, quote, the Scottish law also includes provisions for police to charge perpetrators of physical and psychological abuse together under a single crime reflecting the growing understanding of domestic abuse as a pattern rather than a series of single incidents. Stark calls it the, quote, gold standard and says it provides a better blueprint to other countries considering an overhaul of their domestic abuse legislation, end quote. Senate Bill number 1141, which added coercive control to the family code, making it a valid reason for a restraining order if proof of pattern of coercion could be proven, was completely ineffectual in my brother's case. What coercive control is really like and how extremely difficult it is to escape should be studied and applied to domestic abuse legislation. Please listen to season two of Isolated Podcast or read the transcripts on our website at www.isolatedpodcast.com. Thank you in advance for your consideration. Sincerely, Navi Carpenter. Phew. So I believe that bills have to be submitted the, by the end of February. So we're down to the wire and we, we may not get any traction this year, but next year is definitely fair game. Each assembly person can present a limited number of bills per year. And since it was a unanimous vote in 2020 to add coercive control to family law as part of the definition of domestic violence, then maybe we have a shot at getting it criminalized. Yeah, fingers crossed. Right. So Angel's friend, police officer Bricks, gave us some insight on those police codes we knew nothing about back in the day. Um, Remember when we weren't sure which was higher? Was priority one higher or priority three higher? Well, now we know. Priority one is high priority. 
three is then low priority. Some of the codes on the earlier police log that we had no clue about, we now have some insight to. The 2009 call type 22350 was for speeding. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. We need more information. I know. So uh, on that note, Angel clued me into this little thing called the Freedom of Information Act. which Sounds like something we should know. We should have known. which is a federal freedom of information law that requires the full or partial disclosure of previously unreleased information and documents controlled by the United States government upon request. This is how all those true crime podcasts get copies of the 911 calls and all the police reports. So we are now making those requests and we'll keep you posted. I wish we were smart enough to realize that a year ago. Uh, You know, every new day I feel dumber. But anyway, we were newbies. Yeah. So the 2010 police call that was type 415N, suspicious circumstance noise disturbance, priority three. So I'm thinking the neighbors probably called when they heard Nancy and Mark arguing or Nancy screaming or who knows So what. three is low priority. Right. Like there's no immediate danger or. I guess not. They're like, oh, they're yelling at each other. Who cares? The 2011 call code 1033A is for house alarm, priority two. So I'm not sure what was going on there. Um, Officer Bricks is still working on the other codes. And on the later police logs that had the disposition codes instead of numbers, CON meant contact, officers contacted someone. UTL means unable to locate, but unable to locate the caller, the suspect, the problem, I I don't know. And STC means service to citizen. I think we knew that one. When Mark requested an officer to be present when he moved belongings out of his house and st- stuff like that. RTF meant report to follow and UNF meant unfounded. I bet Nancy called the police on Mark during the UNF calls and maybe police came out and found him calm and reasonable and her drunk. Probably. It sounds likely, but without the reports, we won't know. So, so the report to follow, is that part of the Freedom of Information Act? Can we get that report or no? I would think so. Yeah. I think that's what we're asking for. It's not oh, just okay. the log. We want the actual reports. Right. What, who said what? What are, you know. Hopefully they did follow up and made a report. Right. Exactly. So Angel brought up the fact that there was a call to the police at 1143 a.m. The morning Mark went missing. Mark was at work at that time and didn't leave until 2 o'clock p.m. So why was Nancy calling the police? wasn't Mark's boss calling the police because she didn't call until he didn't show up for work the next day when she wanted to report him missing. Remember when Nancy called the police to go check on Mark the day he drove to the ocean and sit on the beach? Yeah, yeah. If he ignored her attempts to contact him that morning, hence her 149 calls to his work, then maybe she called the police to go find him, which again is like pretty ridiculous. But I guess we won't know unless we get our hands on those reports. Can you just imagine being police and getting that call? Um, excuse me, officer, I can't get a hold of my husband. He yeah. won't answer my phone call. Yeah. I'm stalking my husband <laughs> yeah. and exactly. I can't find him. <laughs> but I know exactly where he is because I have a GPS tracker in his car. I'd sure like to be a fly on the wall of her life right now. How is she treating the kids? Has she hooked another fish she intends to bleed dry? Or has she set her eyes on one of her kids? Yeah, I don't that her abuse hopefully not but 
An RTC Investigations 2022 article out of Ireland by Barry O'Kelly tells the story of a male victim who wishes to remain anonymous, so we will call him Kyle. Kyle said that his abuse was a gradual process by his partner, stating, quote, it is something that crept up on me and I didn't realize I was in the situation, end quote. It took him a long time to see himself as a victim, in part because no one else would. He's a man and strong and capable of defending himself, right? Well, we know damn well that has nothing to do with physical right, strength. Right, it's right. the grooming and the manipulation's crazy. Well, we know, but we have to get other people the general public at large, to understand these untrue stereotypes and misinformation about coercive control. Kyle said, quote, I didn't see it until the end. You cannot help a person like that. I should have run. The warning signs were there. I should have run, end quote. And when he finally did, there was limited support available and shelters. Reflecting on his experience, Kyle stated that, quote, it is very difficult for a man to come forward, and if you are a man, you have zero options for a refuge at all. There needs to be an awareness that men can be abused, the fact that there is very little support for them, and we are driven to contemplate suicide because of domestic abuse, end quote. It really makes you wonder how many male suicides are related to domestic partner abuse that they never shared and no one but their partner knew about. I know. I totally wonder, but I... Don't know that there's any way to find that out, obviously. I bet there's a lot more than you'd expect based on what happened to my brother. Kyle said he finally realized that what was happening to him behind closed doors was not normal. He said, quote, it's not normal to have your money controlled. It's not normal to have things thrown at you, to be slapped and punched and hit, end quote. Kyle finally got some support from O'Fally Domestic Support Services, one of the few in Ireland providing assistance to men as well as women. Anne Clark, who manages the service, said that males seeking support are on the rise and that they report their partners accusing them of having affairs, monitoring their behavior, controlling their finances, and other forms of financial and emotional abuse isolation. She said that the misconception that you are a strong man and shouldn't be a victim is definitely there, but coercive control experienced by men is a very prominent issue at their service. And we'll put that contact information for O'Fally on our website. That's all the update we have for now. Um, we will keep you posted on what's going on in our struggle to get a law passed for coercive control, criminalizing it. And until next time, be safe, be strong, and survive. If you or someone you love is being abused by an intimate partner, we have resources listed on our website at isolatedpodcast.com. If you have an experience, expertise, or advice you'd like to share, please send an email to notalone at isolatedpodcast.com or visit our website. Your privacy, should you desire it, is a top priority for us. You can support the work of this podcast and help fund much-needed therapy for men who can't afford it by becoming a member through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash isolated podcast which also gets you perks and benefits unavailable to non-members you can cancel at any time your five-star review on itunes will also help promote the show and help listeners find the podcast thank you so much for your support